Bonjour, je m'appelle Lamar White Jr. And this is briefly speaking from the Bayou Brief. That is about all the French I can speak. So I'm going to end it there. Um, but on this episode of Briefly Speaking, we're taking you down to Acadiana, um, Cajun country. And we're going to meet with Leslie Bork. She is a first-time candidate and her opponent's first-ever challenger, despite having served two consecutive terms in the legislature. Um, Leslie returned to Louisiana, her native Louisiana, about three and a half years ago after spending a career in New York and Los Angeles, primarily Los Angeles. Um, but she's back with her kids and her partner and living in uh, the beautiful neighborhood of River Ranch, which, um, for those of you who don't know, is Louisiana is pretty much, I think maybe it's very first urban master planned community. We'll get into what that means later. Um, until then, let's just uh, let's talk to Leslie. Let's uh, let's meet her and uh, see why she's running in this race. Thanks for joining us. All right, this is Lamar Wright with the Bayou Brief, and I'm here with Leslie Bork, spelled differently than Robert Bork. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. She, she is running for um, House District 43, which is in Acadiana. Um, it spans from where to where exactly? So yeah. the Vermilion. Vermilion River um, kind of cuts it off. Uh, River Ranch, Lafayette, um, up till to um, East Broussard Road, and then okay. some of Youngsville, some of Broussard. So it's a so it's Lafayette, Broussard, and some of in Youngsville. Yeah, Sugar Mill Pond. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I understand that you, the the incumbent is a guy named Stuart Bishop, and he's never actually had an opponent. Never. Not a. Republican or Democrat. That's uh, very, very unusual, right? I mean, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I'm i not really sure why I'm the one that's decided to take this on. But um, I, for sure, for checks and balances and I mean, hold you, you mean like you're not sure why no one else has ever tried to I'm do this before? Sure. Right, right. Yeah. Um, what is, do you know what he does for a living besides legislate? Or I guess. I think his family owns a cement company mm-hmm. okay um they do really well okay and so this is yeah okay um it's yeah i've just i've, I've interviewed someone earlier who was running against someone who's never you know who hadn't faced an opponent mm-hmm. um but it was a, kind of a different situation what happens in that situation though is that there's not an election right right so he's never really had to actually campaign for office no and i don't think he's too happy well with, i mean with me well i mean that's interesting though because like if you've never had a campaign for office, then do people know who you are? Now, Leslie, perhaps in her attempt to be polite, says, well, I'm sure he knows some people. I mean, I'm sure he's, you know, done some things for people that make them know him. But the truth is that if you've never really run for office, if you've never really campaigned and knocked door to door, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell it like it is. no. Nah, Stuart, you ain't you ain't known, man. People don't know you. They know they may know your daddy. They may know your last name, but um, as far as being a legislator, you could be clueless. So the next question's obvious. Does he write a lot of legislation, or? Well, his last bill that he tried to put on the floor, um, which failed, 
because it was very dangerous. Uh, it's titled the Pollution Secrecy Act. So basically, it's... Pretty, um, like, that's not even Orwellian. That's like straight up, <laughs> right? Right. Um, yeah, it's It would be like, called the Pollution Transparency Act right, know, if it right. were Orwellian. Um, so it's saying corporations um, can self-regulate, self-audit. Do you have any... What's the justification for... I mean, first of all, we in, we're in Louisiana and like mm-hmm. they basically already do self regulate right, you right. know let's be honest i mean i mean i don't know what was the justification i don't um but i do i do know he needs to be held accountable for why and this failed it failed and there was a i think there was national attention on this bill right? i'm sure i'm sure there was because um it's just really not cool i mean yeah i mean i, I, I believe that like republicans spoke out against it mm-hmm. um even republicans who live in coastal communities near oil and gas facilities. Um, right. One thing I mentioned to you when we were um, before we started recording was, you know, I lived in Texas whenever the West Chemical Plant exploded. Mm-hmm. People don't know what they're living around, and often, often in these cases, it's, right. you know, even especially here in Louisiana with these big petrochemical plants. And some people do; um, they just still vote against their own interests, or they vote against the interests of their communities right right you know um so yeah what happened there was right after right after president trump was elected scott prout became in charge of the um the epa probably one of the Mm -hmm. most competent and corrupt epa administrators we've had in a while you know we did have an epa administrator from new orleans which was nice oh i didn't know that um but anyway um yeah one of the first things they did was try to pass this we don't want we don't want to have to force oil and gas companies to share their um, emergency response plans with local law enforcement, which seems crazy in Louisiana because we just so have this deep water horizon thing, you know. And how the how the law enforcement can help? Them? Yeah, correct. Because they the argument was that it was like trade secrets. Mm. Um, and it, look. Um, I know oil, oil and gas is a major part of the Lafayette and the um, Acadiana it economy. Is, yeah. It is. Um, it's not going to go away. There's, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scare tactics on, on. You know, if you do certain things, mm-hmm. it's going to go away forever. Uh, probably on both sides of the aisle to a certain extent, but in Texas, oil and gas drives their economy exactly. a lot. But they've diversified so much in the last few years. That yeah, I definitely think that's something we don't do is entertain other sectors um, yeah what well, yeah specifically like i mean you let's actually go back a little bit and because maybe this could explain diversification of our economy you just moved back to lap i should say just moved back because i feel like <laughs> you've been pretty active the entire time you've been back. back yeah um but you moved back from um where were you before so I moved uh, to Los Angeles first, and the other then, LA, the other LA, yes, and then to New York. So how long have you been campaigning? Wow, good question. Um, I'd say about four weeks. Okay, so it's a month. You're a month in, mm-hmm. and what's the response been like? It's definitely been interesting. Um, people, you know, I have a very red district. You do. I mean, I yeah, I was saying before we went on air that um, that there was a study recently that Lafayette was one of the most, um, I think it was politically polarized Ooh, um, communities. Louisiana had three in the top 10 and mm. Lafayette was number 11. Lafayette was uh, yeah. So as a Democrat, I'm trying to reach all the constituents and listen 
Um, that's basically what I've been doing. Yeah, yeah, kind of and and the fact that um, this seat has never really been um, competitive because there hasn't just been no election necessary. And that was hard because you know when I was talking with my campaign number manager about numbers, um, it's hard to gauge because he's not you know he's not. Yeah, no one's up. showing out. To, uh, I mean, because we obviously the well, I guess it'd be during a gubernatorial election, right? So you would know how many people voted for John Bell in your district and Lieutenant Governor, but he lives in River Ranch. Um, Not a lot of people know that, actually, about Billy Nungesser, that he moved. I didn't know that either. I better get that right. I'm going to talk to him soon. But I know that he had, uh, for a while, when he was campaigning, he'd Mm -hmm. stayed there a lot. Of course, Amy Jones and Kelly Kane Mm -hmm. helped him out, and they lived there. Um, It's a nice place. My brother lives in Lafayette, went Mm -hmm. to college at ULL. Um, and so did my grandfather back when it was uh, the University of Slow Learners. Okay. Are you from? Um, I shouldn't say University of Slow Learners. Slow That's gonna really. <laughs> are you from uh, Lafayette area originally? I am. Yeah, I grew. I grew up in Broadmoor. That's the neighborhood we're basically in right now in New Orleans. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, but totally but different. I'll tell you this about River Ranch. Um. Yeah. As beautiful as it is, they don't have connecting sidewalks, which a lot. Why? Of That's like smart happens. growth, no, like one hundred and one. So I never really told Leslie this, and maybe I should have, but. I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of a river ranch where she lives for a few reasons. Um, first of all, I, I, when I worked for the mayor of Alexandria, so it's 2007 to 2011, so five years, um, I, I became uh, like an acolyte of smart growth. Alexandria is a perfect example of the kind of city that needed smart growth. and. By smart growth, I don't mean um, like manufactured um, master plan developments. I mean just simple things like better sidewalks and better lighting and better connectivity, um, just more intuitive, um, more pedestrian friendly, more bicycle friendly environment for everyone. You know, um, that really builds a true community. It's actually talking about smart growth we're really talking about the way cities were traditionally built um but for a second in the mid 2000s um the the concept of this urban sort of centrally located urban master plan town um became kind of in vogue in america and it started with really it started with um the development of well, well before that, with the development of a place called Seaside, Florida in 1980. And that was um, the brainchild of Andres Duani, the really famous um, architect, urban planner from Miami, Florida. Now, Seaside, for many people in Louisiana, know Seaside, Florida because they vacation to Destin, in Destin and on 30A. Um, it, was, it was conceived as a place for the middle class. Um, so its first residents were actually like retired teachers and policemen and firefighters, people like that. Um, small homes on the beach, zero lot lines, but like, you know, not everyone had, not everyone, in fact, not, very few people actually had beachfront homes. That was the whole purpose. It was built around the beach as a city, 
as a small city. Um, and not necessarily as just this like lush um, beachfront resort. Well, it became, you, you all know Seaside, if, even if you've never been there, um, if you've seen the movie Truman Show, because it was a set of Truman Show. And what happened in Seaside ended up happening in the, these types of developments all over the country. The intention was, of course, pure. You know, like we're going to build a place that's going to be truly mixed income. It's going to be new. It's going to be mixed use. It's going to be multi-level. It's going to have it's going to have opportunities for programming, for kids to ride their bikes to school. Um, and it turned out that like everyone wanted to move to a brand new place like this. So what happened? Well, these homes got valued assess whatever you want to call it, way, way, way more than these people had paid for them in the first place. So, you know, these small little homes in the middle of Seaside, Florida that were purchased for $110,000 are now worth millions. And the middle class that it, it was intended to um, to serve, um, they all became part of the 1%. It no longer is anything resembling a middle-class community. And Rear Ranch, it perhaps is even more controversial because River Ranch was developed by a guy named Robert Daigle. And if you per, prefer um, Robert Daigle, or if you really prefer Robert Daigle, um, and launched in about 2006. That's the first iteration of the website that I can find. 2006, of course, the year after Katrina, um, you know, devastated. New Orleans, 80% of the city flooded, and there was this notion that a lot of people were not going to come back. Um, so they built this community, they marketed it as a kind of a, well, kind of a, like a, repl- a replica of the nice, you know, the nicest architectural aspects of New Orleans. But the same kind of idea as Seaside, like, you know, zero lot line homes. Um, you know, by, the idea was that you could ride your bicycle all around the place. There'd be schools, there'd be a town square, there'd be nice shopping. Well, the only difference between Seaside, at least in, in its initial iteration in River Ranch, is that River Ranch made no, um, it really made no attempt to market itself as a middle class community. Uh, this is a place, 2,500 people, including Lieutenant Governor Gordon, I'm, I'm guessing at least he did live there, um, who uh, basically represent the 1% of Lafayette. And like I said, I think it's a beautiful place. Um, I think Steve Oob, the um, urban master planner, did a great job with it and has also done really fantastic work with other things, including the new Iberia master plan. But um, these are problematic in a way because they um, are ways of sort of reinforcing de facto segregation. And the district that Leslie is seeking to represent is already 80.2% white. I would imagine that the neighborhood of River Ranch is about 95 to 99% white. So um, in a state that is 31% African American, we have these little enclaves. and these are new, new construction, right? That um, because of the price point and a number of other factors uh, end up being little island, little white islands. Um, there, there are other parts of 
so River Ranch initially, it's just this 250-acre community. It's grown. Um, the footprint has grown, although not, not technically, because there's been developments across the street, across the police saloon. There's Park Lafayette, um, which is developed by a guy named Ben Stewart. And that's kind of become part of this, an extension of the same neighborhood, if you will. So, anyway, it's it's an interesting place. Um, I, I certainly do not, would, would never characterize Leslie this way, but, eight, but I will say this. A friend of mine who lived there for several, several years um, and ended up moving out, finally, once described to me as a bunch of paranoid white people. And I don't, I don't think he was far off. Anyway, back to Leslie. All right, so enough about River Ranch. Um, let's talk about what's really important. Um, about, I think probably five years ago, I was in Lafayette for um, the, the Lafayette Democratic, I don't know if it's a women's association or if it's the party. I think it was Lafayette Democratic Party. They had, uh, they had a pretty big turnout, pretty big banquet that they do every year. I don't know if mm-hmm. they still do, but uh, this is Joel and uh, Joel Joel was kind of in charge of this. He was like, you know, he still is a child. Jolin. But uh but he put this together and he did a great job. Um and um the I, I didn't know really what they wanted me to give their keynote speech and I didn't really know what to talk about, so I talked about I forty nine. Because in Alexandria, when we built I forty nine, it was the last leg of I forty nine to be completed in ninety six, nineteen ninety six. It was not I thought it was a last leg of the original, but it wasn't. But mm-hmm. regardless. There have been plans to extend I-49 for years and years and years and years up through Arkansas, uh, all the connecting to New Orleans, which would be great for Lafayette in a way because y'all could get to here mm-hmm. 30 minutes quicker than ordinarily. You, you would avoid Baton Rouge. Right, right. There, so there are two ways to basically decide on whether or not an interstate, where an interstate should go. In the Alexandria at the time, it was like, should it go around the city? all this open land around the city or should it go directly through the city and the feeling was well we want to show off our city we want people to stop through our downtown Mm -hmm. to shop um and we think that if we go directly through downtown which is what ended up happening it will create this economic engine for the community i'll tell you what ended up occurring is that 11 miles outside of alexandria there was cheap land right off the interstate and so a bunch of developers bought the land up and that's where they built the hotels mm-hmm. and the cracker barrel and right. the gas station and the, the the little you know fast food restaurants the people weren't stopping in alexandria they were stopping 12 11 miles before they got into town or after they got out of town mm-hmm. um and it, it, we don't know 23 years later, right, whether or not this was actually beneficial. So I haven't really been following much of what has happened. I know that there were some appropriations that Lafayette mm-hmm. received recently. It looks like there's some money, right? Yeah, I think 150. It's a lot of money. That's a, that's a lot. But we have a major crisis in Lafayette and surrounding areas um, with drainage. Yeah. And. Are they worried that this is going to... No, I just feel like some of the resources that we're going to use to, you know, build this highway, um, like people are, people's houses are flooding. And why do we, So why, does, why do we need... 
why do we need I-49 to go right through Lafayette? I mean, why can't... There's already 90, right? That, yeah. I'm not sure exactly why. Um, it's something that, you'd have to... Yeah, I mean, I know they want... You know, it'll make it seem like Lafayette. It's a, this is a nicer city. But, uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's, but, I mean, I don't know. It could be different. Um, but it seems to me like in the past 10 years... Mm-hmm. Downtown Lafayette has really... Oh, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. And you would hate to see a huge construction project that takes 20 years displace a bunch of people and then drain people out of downtown. Exactly. Let, let me ask you, we didn't uh, go over this before, but I'm going to ask you about higher education because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kathleen Blanco, when she uh, ran first time, of course, this is an issue throughout her entire career, mm-hmm. ULL is a great institution like I was saying my brother and grandfather went there um, I went there you went there that's even more prestigious <laughs> now it's now it's legit um, and it's really actually kind of a cool campus um, people haven't been there um, you know it's kind of it's built like, on this yeah. swamp it's yeah exactly neat. alligators yeah red brick building um, but but Bobby Jindal cut higher ed mm-hmm. Bobby Jindal used to be the head of the UL system by the way um, and he cut higher ed just significantly um, what are your feelings about higher education funding? And um, I wonder if you have any, if you don't, if it's okay, if you, because it's not in your district technically. But they built this giant facility outside of ULL that was supposed mm-hmm. to be like um, about three, 3D, 4D immersive technology. Do you know what I'm talking about? The light no. center? Oh yeah, I do. I didn't know. Yeah. I've never been though. It's really a beautiful building. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, how, you know, what what do we what do we do with stuff like that that um, exists but now it doesn't really serve the it's purpose. purpose. I'll put it in another way. And it's the way my old boss used to say mm-hmm. it. The state can build whatever it wants to build. Right. But we can't afford to operate. You know. So we can build beautiful buildings all over campuses, all over the entire right, state. Right. What? What? So why? You, well, I mean, I guess my question. One of the reasons why I decided to run was because I'm trying to connect dots on why do we mismanage our money? Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. and you can't take any more from higher education. No, which right? I mean, I mean, it's the only higher ed and healthcare. Yeah, exactly. Are like the yeah. only two things that you can set. Uh, Constitutionally, constitutionally, yeah, and it seems like we should change that. You know? We should, yes. Um, but also trying, you know, to keep kids that graduate in our state and yeah, work here and you know, and not move away. Just like, you know, I interviewed this kid, nineteen years old. It'll it'll be it'll air before your um this airs, or twenty years old. I'm sorry, twenty years old. Corrected me twice. Not from from Kentucky, mm-hmm. and he said, "I really want to go all around uh, Louisiana. Where should I go?" And it, that's, you've been to Lafayette. I think personally, Lafayette is like the second coolest city in the, in the state. Yeah, New Orleans is number New one. New Orleans, yeah. It could be even cooler. There's so much in Lafayette. I mean, we have the ACA, um, which is just a great venue. Downtown is thriving. Downtown um, is thriving. Yeah, we do need to. Work. You have all those uh, uh, those drag drag queen story time shows that. That's right. <laughs> Very controversial. Yeah. No, but no. Keep going. Yeah. I mean, you have... No, but I mean, I find um, 
the oil center needs a lot of help and I know they're gonna um I mean I would love to see kind of like River Ranch how they have businesses down below and residential yes, yes. like build up. Yeah. Um I think there are they are gonna do this medical lane. Okay. Um where? Somewhere you know? in right where the hospitals are. Okay. The hospital is. Um so that's great for and, the uh, medical the, have they expanded Park Lafayette off of Cleese Saloon a little bit? Um, I, I haven't been there. I haven't been there in a while. Yeah. But isn't there a hotel there now? Yeah, a home suites. It was supposed to be a really high end hotel. Oh, really? Which we're lacking in this. Yeah, no, it really was. I know Glenn Stewart. I mean, I know mm-hmm. Glenn Stewart personally, and Glenn Stewart thought he was going to build a Ritz Carlton like hotel there. Yeah. And so it's a what is it now? A home suite. I think home suite. I think Lafayette does need a a better hotel. Yeah. Um, for sure. I know, because people ask me, you know, where to stay when they come here, and we have the Hilton and Carriage House. And uh, yeah, yeah, and that, and uh, um, was the Hilton one with the big dome in the middle, or what's that called? The not the dome, but it's got a big mm-hmm. wherever they held the Louisiana, the Lafayette Democratic Party event off of the off of Evangeline Freeway. It's a big hotel, oh, and nice. it was built in clearly like the 1970s. Oh right, you know, it's dated. It is weird though. You don't, but you do have. You have a lot, well, you have a lot of hotels that, because people travel here, so you have all the medium Medium-sized business hotels. Yeah. And what I was going to say is you do have a big airport project that's underway, right? Right, right. Um, Much needed. What's going on there? Um, I know what's going on here because I I fly out of New Orleans all the time. I mean, I saw that there was some appropriation like yesterday for like six and a half million dollars really? i didn't know that um well there was dollar a, amount, i know there's one i mean clay higgins is probably going to try to take credit for it but right, it was right. an automatic type of deal um do you, do you do you fly in and out of lafayette i don't but uh, dylan does a lot what does he think well he always takes the 6 a.m flight to um dallas or because you can't go yeah um i actually prefer if we're going to new york driving to new orleans Yep. Two hours. And Isn't that crazy? I know. I was, um, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was shocked the first time I flew into Lafayette at how bad the airport was. Right. Just aesthetically. Yeah. Aesthetically, yeah. It is like the front door of your city. It mm-hmm. really is mm-hmm. nowadays. And if you're trying to attract big business or... Right. Um, and Alexandria's airport is 50 times nicer. Really? Lafayette. Really. I didn't even know that. Yes, people don't know I didn't know even that. know they had Because people don't even know, we have an airport there. <laughs> Um, yeah, and actually, people are compla- they've complained here, like, why does mm-hmm. New Orleans need a new airport? And you try to explain it to them, and it's like, that's because we have 14 million people yeah. a year that drive, you know. Yeah. And right now, they're flying into a shitty place in mm-hmm. Kenner. Right. It's still going to be in Kenner, but um, it's an exciting project. It could be a lot of opportunity. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, I know that there's not much that really you can do on the, um, on the like, you know, secondary education level, but mm-hmm. I know that just because I know the people that run the, that ran the independent mm-hmm. and now the mm-hmm. Leslie and then that run the, the current mm-hmm. and there's always this back and forth about charter schools charter and what uh, we are very disappointed um, obviously a lot of people are with the public schools here we moved um, from New York where granted we lived in a nice yeah. area yeah but um, the community put back into the public schools, so there were really great public schools um, and then you could spend your money on other things that you wanted to, like yeah. the apartment. But, um, so when we moved here, Dylan and I are both 
big on public education. We both went to public schools. And, me, me too. Um, me too. And, you well, know, college, yeah. we chose River Ranch and the school there is uh, rated D plantation. Really? I'm not saying it's a bad school. I think they have really great No, that's teachers, interesting though. But they also have two crowded classrooms. Over, yeah. And um, so it, we bought into the system and, you know, now we're going to how, private schools. Uh, yeah. Uh, so how far was the public school from River Ranch? Oh, it's right across Kelly Sloan. Okay, so he, could he like your son? Could he hypothetically like ride his bike there? Um, or it's not safe. It's not. You said there's no yeah. sidewalks. <laughs> there's exactly. like there's no connectivity. Yeah, um, there's not. There's not. But I know people. Um, I talked to someone the other day, and he said they actually moved to uh, Milton for the public school. So it's Milton. a little area yeah, okay. outside. Um, for for the public schools and the parents were a big part of it and the PTO meetings I mean they were just involved and engaged in the school um, and so I just don't understand why we can't take more pride in our public schools here yeah I, mean, I don't I don't either I mean, we're like fifty and I actually mean, I say there's nothing you can do of course there's something you can do because you can control minimum foundation program fund funding right, right. and there's a lot of stuff that you can do to. I mean, what I could do is put my kids in public schools and, and try to... But they'd be going to a D-rated school. They'd be going to. And from what I understand, if they move, if we move away, they would be two years behind oh, that's awful. other places. That's awful. And these are my kids. So we pay the money. Um, yeah. And we go to a great school. Um, but so did they have to other get, people... I hate to ask this, but it's maybe personal. But did they, when, they, when you move them from a, the public school to a, a private school, did, you, did they feel like they were like behind? Um, I mean, they were... Pre K and okay. pre K four. But I know, I know, definitely, my kids are reading at, at a, an amazing level. Good. Um, and the difference is that private schools test two times a year, so you can really gauge on how they improve. Where public schools just test once. Yeah. Um, and. And Teacher, it's, teachers it's, are teaching for the test instead yeah, of the. You know, you're not the first. Um, I mean, no, yeah. There are several candidates have brought up um, th th like that issue, um, mm -hmm. in, in particular with relation to, um, um, and we, we heard it at the True Blue Gala, mm -hmm. um, which we're not taping this during the True Blue Gala, by the way. All the other ones were. Um, would, uh, early childhood education was a mm -hmm. huge, huge thing, and that was emphasized by not just um, you know not just during the program, but by people I spoke with before mm -hmm. and. Uh, really does make a huge difference, right? Um, yeah. Um, do you have a before I, I want to ask you about equal pay, but because that's always been a big issue. But there, there's this Emerge Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Are you involved in Emerge? I'm not. Um, I was never going to run for office, so ah, okay. um, I, I've encouraged other people and um, it's just and it's nominated. Just, other it's people great to that run. there's so many women. It's like it's amazing. There's so well, many women running this year. I would say. Um, Two people were, I guess, trailblazers for me to run for office. Let's uh, let's hear about it. Um, definitely Memmi. Memmi Methan from Alexandria, Louisiana. Is she? I don't know that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and she was I'll definitely bring everything a, back to <laughs> she was definitely a huge reason um, why I ran, and I That's spoke to her before awesome. asking about it and getting her. So, advice. have you told her to please run for attorney general? I haven't. No, okay. she's got her hands I know full she's right got, now. I know she does. And but um, the other person is Kathleen Blanco. Yeah. That um, for sure was paved a way for I've, women. Yeah, yeah. 
and has has been actually really defying defying the odds. It mm-hmm. seems like yeah, exactly. Um, right I don't now. know if you've seen her recently, but um, she. I I went to the um, they honored her yeah recently yeah. in Lafayette. Um, it yeah, it's beautiful. Her family's um, Pilar is a friend of mine. Oh, really? And she kind of told me a story of how um, her mom decided to run that she was in a room full of men and basically just kind of decided. I can do this better than they can. Yeah. So she ran for office. Yeah, you know, um, I've been I've been reading a lot about her life mm-hmm. because of obviously the diagnosis and right um, it's a tragedy. It is. It's a tragedy, and she's but she's really been incredible, incredibly resilient. And obviously, Steve and Sherry may know her really mm-hmm. well, and they visited her a mm-hmm. few weeks ago and said that she's still. Hanging in there. Uh, oh, and her wits wits are about her, and you know, right, right. at some point they had to be like, we have to leave, we have to go back to New Orleans because <laughs> they kept wanting. <laughs> yeah, to they talk. wanted to stay. Yeah, um, which is great, you know. But well, it's... and their families play such a pivotal role for UL. Yes, um, yes, they do. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Of course, Coach Blanco. Yeah, um, was there his whole career practically, and and, and now there's a, a center for people who don't know. There's what was it Kathleen Blanco, Kathleen Blanco public policy I think mm-hmm. they just um, yeah yeah and so yeah something like that which is which is awesome and well deserved and I think you you probably weren't here during the whole fiasco right no I was not when, when she got blamed but I kind of wonder what you think about that and I mean from an insider's perspective you mm-hmm. are an insider so, right right but seeing it from well, Wherever I mean, you were, New York or LA. Yeah, I was in LA. You know, it was devastating to watch, obviously. And then the aftermath. I was in Houston, so I wasn't in, in, yeah. I wasn't in, yeah. But I'm sure you guys were affected by people moving there. Oh, God, yeah. Transplants. Oh, yeah. And I moved back. I mean, you know, because my, my family needed, we, we had a yeah. property management business. And it was right. like everyone needed a place to live all of a sudden. But I'm just curious because there seemed to be a lot of, in hindsight, now that people were reflecting back on her legacy, it's like maybe we were, maybe the media was sexist. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Maybe, <laughs> just maybe. I would say that would play a, play a huge part. Um, I mean, there was so much corruption. What was it? The mayor or who? Was oh, Ray Nagin. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, he's in jail right now. I just, I don't think, you know, that was just such a overwhelming hard, you know i don't know yeah, how yeah what was it like to why. be i mean i know what it was like for me to be away and watch it on tv right right and, and I mean, of course yeah, you feel helpless you feel and then rita like, happened right after and that you know mm-hmm. um i guess i guess we can tie this back into equal pay because for like for, for four years now mm-hmm. right um we've been going through these equal pay exercises right, right nothing ever happens nothing we have what the highest gender gap yeah and I've heard people say this. I've heard mm-hmm. Democrats say this, mm-hmm. that they think it's just for show. What is the, the whole exercise of campaigning on equal pay? Okay, that it's better to campaign on equal pay than it actually is to implement it. Mm. And I, I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I no. I don't believe that. But well, I don't understand because do lawmakers. Do you, um, would you get do you kind of get the logic there? Like uh, I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I've asked my rep. Um, Paige Cortez about it because he votes votes it down every time. Yeah, why? Um, why does he vote it down every time? I mean, he tells me it's the way it's written that we're not reading the whole bill and, and oh. understanding the finer oh. 
And you know, so, and he's a friend of mine, so I'm like, but you have a daughter, you have a wife. He's a friend you know? of yours, but he's accusing you of being illiterate. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you may want to, um, uh, you're gonna have some good friends in the legislature. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, wow. uh, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, this is what they say. You you don't understand the implications of some of this language. Mm-hmm. Right. Like exactly. they're somehow they like figured this out that we pay seven twenty five an hour for our minimum wage and. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't get what. And I mean, like, not even bringing it to the people to vote for. I right. Think. That was bizarre. Um, like, why would you not want to give the people the uh, option? Yeah, Arkansas did that. Well, you know, we can't even match Arkansas. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Um, so moving on from equal pay, you know, uh, always comes up every election. Bobby Jindal ran when he ran for governor mm-hmm. in two thousand and seven. On ethics and transparency in government, right? Came up last year. It the business community actually this time the business community was really in favor. Of, Lobby was mm-hmm. in favor of this new website called Louisiana Checkbook, and what essentially ended up happening was that they just bought the domain and then they changed the old website to the new mm-hmm. domain name. But what was fascinating throughout this debate was you know they said we want to keep track of every single dime. That local and state government spend so the public can know mm-hmm. so if I want to find out whether or not Joel Robodeau mm-hmm. spent $500 for his um, chair behind mm-hmm. his desk I can find that out right. well when, when people started asking well what about tax exemptions mm-hmm. they would pretend like they were in favor of that right mm-hmm. oh yeah I mean you know if it's an expenditure but then they would kind of crawfish, crawfish around it and mm-hmm. say, well, that, that shouldn't really count because it's really not an expenditure, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's an incentive. Right. And so all of that information is not listed. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot, I've talked a lot on this podcast already just about the work that Together Louisiana has done mm-hmm. in showing how much money we're losing. How much money, right. And in your area particularly, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like one of the hardest hit places in lost revenue due to well i mean i think transparency in government is is huge um, yeah holding people accountable obviously um my big thing is i am for corporations 100 yeah, percent um i understand but i also don't think we should be giving everything away if you're not bringing in revenue or jobs so and, you're for like clawbacks and like so, yeah sunset sunset provisions like saying at some point, this has to end, or well, I'm saying like we need to go through every corporation and and you know we don't even do this cost benefit analysis. To well, see. they right they say they do, but but they don't. They don't. Um, and if you are deserving to get a tax exemption, I mean, you're talking billions of dollars. I mean, we're talking your like, kid's school. Yeah, exactly. We're talking the funding for your child's school, right? And and if you're not, you should pay a percentage. I mean. Texas does it better, much better than we do. Yeah, um, they sure do. Um, so we're just kind of basically giving, it, you know, any corporation that wants to come here. And I'm not trying to say, you know, the big pushback is, well, they're not going to come here. Um, if you Texas them, spends 38, uh, Louisiana spends 38 times more on average mm-hmm. on corporate giveaways than Texas does. On average, mm-hmm. not like right, right. because their population is bigger. We are number one in the entire country in spending... Um, money giving away you know money to corporations so it's a little weird to say if we don't do this we're not going to get right I, right 
It kind of reminds me of this. I, I know is your partners in the film. Yes, yes. So I don't want to like make, and I, I don't want to make people like Patrick Mulhern or your mm-hmm. partner like angry about this, but it kind of is like a race to the bottom with some of these film tax credits, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Like Louisiana offers three hundred million dollars, and Georgia comes around, and they're like, "Oh, we'll give six hundred million dollars." Yeah. He films a lot in Georgia too. That's right, because mm-hmm. that's where they're giving the money away. So we lose all of this, all this work. Right. And, um, and yeah, revenue too. Exactly. We're end up giving out money for kind of nothing, kind of a vanity project. Exactly. It's not the same as well, ITEP, but mm-hmm. it's the same idea of like, why don't we measure return on investment? And exactly. I mean it. Or at least gauge, you know, and then, you know, if we start out giving them a tax exempt um, exemption, at least you know, pay attention to what they're doing. Yeah, and, and like if they're not if they're not benefiting Louisiana, then they I, should pay. I was telling this guy an uh, interview the other day, Jim Francis. I don't know if you know him about um, <laughs> you kind of do <laughs> about a facility in um, in Alexandria. They promised uh, eleven hundred jobs, and they gave us all this money. Mm-hmm. 10 years later it's like you know someone's gonna write back that probably a lobbyist mm-hmm. and I know I know who it is is gonna say no Lamar we got more jobs than that but really they got like 600 jobs okay or 550 right so they had tw- half as many jobs as promised and I mm-hmm. still all the money you know at some point how do you claw that back how do you reach back and get that revenue back and I guess we're just well, gonna well I mean I, you know I know they're they took it to a local level. They um, did. But now we have to implement it. I mean, we have to... Is it working out in Lafayette? I don't know that they that anyone's... I mean, I think it's still run by... Yeah, the state. state. Yeah. Um, a few more questions about Lafayette. Because um, we a bunch of elections coming up. Um, I'm sure that you're probably not... You'd be, I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm saying <laughs> probably not going to endorse in the marriage race. But... Um, what what's the kind of, what, what's the uh, what would you like to see in a mayor that you could work with? Well, that's what I was about to say. Um, you know, all of the mayors right now that I've heard, mayor president, mayor right? president, exactly. All right. the mayors that I've heard, um, it's Carly uh, for sure. I think Josh has talked about it. Simone has, and um, Nancy. Um, drainage. So jo- that's Josh a huge is thing. like yeah. Josh <laughs> is like like yeah okay. Um, but you know, I mean. I'll post, infrastructure I'll, in general. I'll post photos but, yeah. of Josh in the dish, ditches. Yeah, planning of yeah. Infrastructure pothole. projects are number one. Infrastructure. I think I think drainage is on everyone's mind. Yeah. Um, for sure. What about L- LUS? Um, um, well, that was a big controversy over LUS. Right. Um, Do you think that's working out? Fuck. I mean, Lafayette is known for this innovative program it seemed like they, they were on the verge of privatizing it right you don't have to speculate if you don't want to you can just say Lamar no <laughs> um, but but if you you know if I were to say why do you think Roboto is stepping down well obviously it must be for a reason because you don't just step right? down you know yeah it's unusual after one term it is unusual it is yeah. unusual um, and the people that are, are stepping in I know Simone's done a lot of good things in Youngsville which mm-hmm. is flourishing. Yeah. Um, Carly. Carly's been um, just a big force in Lafayette. She worked under Robido. Yeah. Um, so I know she she knows a lot. Um, I don't know. So you kind of, you like multiple candidates. Um, I definitely like one. 
I have. I well, have we'll wait until my, uh, we'll, we'll wait until <laughs> that's course. another. Well, and I could. I, I, the other question I was going to ask you is about um, the congressman Clay Higgins. Uh-huh. Um, one of the mayor candidates ran against him, mm-hmm. um, and is now running again, again, oh, yes. like like right. like six months later. Honestly, um, I was shocked. Who's that... also from Alexandria, Louisiana? <laughs> oh my god! I know. I was shocked that he did worse than he did. Uh, yeah, that Josh did worse than yeah. he did. I mean, yeah. that Josh did as bad as he. Yeah. Did. Um, well, I think it was. You know, I mean, look, I, I have no problem saying this to, to Josh at all, and I've said it before. I mean, he just veered far he to the right. Far. Yeah. Um, and that's my problem with um, Higgins. You think Lafayette's a more moderate community than than people think? I think so. I think so, too. I think so. It's a college town. It's a college town. I think that the majority of people I'm speaking to, and right now it has been a lot of Republicans, um, are tired of the party system. Mm -hmm. We're just not getting anything done, you know, um, to go so far. I mean, I got bashed a couple days ago because I was saying this exact thing, and the far-left Democrats didn't didn't like no, no, didn't me. like me fraternizing with the enemy you, you, know, know? So you don't say it was but yeah yeah i mean you're it was right a very li- a very ultra liberal so so um, like you're totally right i mean in uh, there's a, just as a comparison and look i know you lost mm-hmm. look at what happened in texas with beto o'rourke mm-hmm. it would not he would not have gotten nearly that close if it weren't for moderate right, republican right. women mm-hmm. who and honestly the truth is they're disgusted by donald trump mm-hmm. They're disgusted by it. Mm-hmm. The president who says what he says about women, mm-hmm. and and you know any, uh, I, I mean I don't I presume to speak for women on this. It's it's not my issue. Uh, well, it is my issue, but it's not my role to speak on it. But I can't imagine like being a mother of a daughter, you know, right. and having this is yeah. But that was a major a major point of uh, contention and I think that's one of the reasons that Beto was able to get as close as he, he yes he ran a far left campaign mm-hmm. in a way but it was about civility and decency right yeah you know and I think people want someone that they can relate to you know um, and Clay is no <laughs> I mean he's Clay is I was on the Jimmy Inkster show the other day and he asked me what I thought of it Clay voted against something I have to, I'll check I'll mm-hmm. check and I'll let you know what it was because it was something crazy and he said, are you surprised that Clay voted against? Oh, it was vaccines. Uh-huh. He's an anti-vaxxer. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's an anti-vaxxer. And, and Inkster does this show in Baton Rouge. And so are you anti-child su- support. <laughs> yeah, and anti-child support. Um, not very, yeah. Um, that was fun. Um, but he said, are you surprised that Clay Higgins voted against this? I said, uh, then, then he said something like, well, you know, he, he, this is how he campaigned. And I said... In my opinion, he's crazier now than he he seemed when he right, when he right. campaigned. It's like a caricature. Mm-hmm. Um, going to Auschwitz and stuff. This has got to be. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I know that it's a heavily Republican district in a heavily red area, mm-hmm. but it's they say heavily red. That doesn't mean that it's like radically red. Right. right. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, you have your definitely you, on it on both sides. On both sides, for sure. Um, and you've got a lot of really good Democrats in Lafayette. People, don't, I've I've been able to appreciate this personally because I've seen the networks. Mm-hmm. They're especially women. Mm-hmm. The women are organized. Right. And um, I, I mean, hopefully, there, there will be one candidate that gets. I mean, I'm assuming that's what's yeah. going to, the field since the other guy, Mr. Bishop. 
right? Mr. Yeah. Bishop has never run against anyone. Yeah. I would assume that yeah. it's not all of a sudden it's going to be you and like 15 other people. I don't know. I mean, I, I, if another Republican ran, I <laughs> that'd be that fantastic. Be <laughs> <laughs> I'd take that. Um, and I just think, you know, I'm going to set myself apart because I'm not a career politician. Um, I have no desire to be. Um, I just wanna, do you believe uh, in term limits? I do. Okay. I don't, but, you know, that's not a debate. I don't because I think you're doing a good job. You should say Right. Well. I guess it goes both ways. It does go both ways. Sometimes you do want to get people out. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's intentions and the agenda that these politicians have that aren't working for our state. So there are like 40, let's say there's, I think I wrote this down. There are 43,615 people, Mm -hmm. basically, in your district. Um. You can you can assume that, you know, thirty percent turnout, yeah. something like that. It's gonna be really It'll low. Be low. Um, so you that's what twelve thousand or so. How are you gonna reach those people? What what, are, what do you have a? Well, I think I'm gonna. I I'm, mean, I, another thing that sets me apart from my opponent is um, I can't imagine he's gonna go knock on doors. You're gonna do and, knock. Okay. Yeah. Got my my running shoes ready. Um, cool. No, and that's my favorite part. To be honest, asking for money is not my no, favorite part. Asking for money is and, no one's um, favorite part? Well, he does it well, my opponent. Yeah, well, he well. probably has been asking for money his whole life. Well, but I, I, I just, I really like talking to people. I like listening. Um, that's been my favorite part of this whole and we, journey. And I've learned so much, so. Already? And, already. You yeah. know, it's interesting. It's just like, I asked you about the Emerge thing because there's so many women running. And yeah. I've asked a lot of them, like, were you with Emerge? And some of them said no. And... Um, I, you know, but I've asked for their support. They mm-hmm. they don't give support if you don't go through their class, right? Right. right. But they're happy. They're happier there. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you don't really. I mean, it's a great it's a great organization. Um, I honestly just didn't you, think about it because I just ran. I mean, hell like, yeah. I was called to do this, and um, you know, I it took a lot of thought. Um, with Dylan and how it was going to affect us but i think how old are um, your kids six and seven okay yeah do they understand what's going on they understand mommy's busier than she has been um but we talk politics not not politics politics but um you know there's things that aren't good and i understand in our community um i have a um so. a niece and nephew that are about that age um you know leslie i think the reason that i was under the impression that You've been here for like, you hadn't just moved back three and a half years ago, which is actually roughly around the same time I moved back, um, is because I think I met you at that that forum for, I don't know what exactly it was for, it was for everybody. Yeah. It was like, it was for a bunch of different organizations. Um, was it the Jambalaya? Yes, it was okay. Jambalaya. Right. And um, there, you were with the Lady Dems. Was right. it a brand new organization? Um, yeah, we, we formed it um, 2016, the height of the election, um, when I moved back. and You you, you helped, or you did I, form I, it. Right. So basically I moved back and, and I was very loud and proud about being a Democrat. And then mm-hmm. I realized um, a lot of people weren't. And very quiet, very closet. Yeah, they had so. this whole like Acadiana closet progressives. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it started gradually. We just kind of formed a page and then and now we have over 450 women awesome and very very much more vocal and it's a safe space but we've done a lot in the community my whole goal was to 
do good things under the umbrella of being a Democrat um, that we're not. Yeah, what have you what have you, you done? Know, mostly we do awareness events. Um, we'll spotlight sexual harassment, um, prison mm-hmm. reform. I think that's justice. this event was kind of one of those awareness of those, events. Right. Um, we touched on healthcare. We touched on the Chico Aquifer. We which um, not a lot of people homelessness was a good one. Not a lot of people know about the Chico Aquifer. Right. Yeah. Um, and then definitely encouraging women to run. Yes. Um, and we've traveled throughout. Have you endor- the state. endorsed candidates? Mimi. Wow. Mimi. Um, and so now, yeah, I mean. We've contributed to some campaigns through. Uh, so it's a political emerge. action committee. Um, we have two two types. One is Five more just the um yeah, the C three C four right yeah exactly, but the other page is more we call it the persistent protest page. It's that is righteous. Vocal. So did you do this before or after the election in twenty sixteen? Um, you know what after. After um the election, we got together a bunch of us and sat at a big table and cried <laughs> uh, i mean honestly it's happened yeah. all over the country but then i think know? like other people which yeah. you know if anything came out of that election um people wanted to take action and be more involved it's and, absolutely true um, so that's what we did and it's i've met some of the most phenomenal people and this is your first real time i mean I, i'm assuming getting involved in politics first time I, yeah um so never cared about it it's, it's <laughs> so interesting um, i think once you start you know being engaged in your community and seeing what's wrong with it and you know i could sit around and play tennis all day or i could you know or i could actually go out and you wouldn't be a very good tennis player if you just sat <laughs> sat right yeah, that's but, true um <laughs> no that's absolutely true but um yeah and so through meeting these women that were so inspiring um, and becoming an activist, I guess. Yeah. Um, just, it, it turned so me on in a way. That's interesting. I will brag on you because I think <laughs> that like, I, when I got to this event, I was like, wow, these guys have their shit together. I mean, Rad Beats Parish has a Democratic mm-hmm. Women's Association, New Orleans course, IWO, your New Orleans, led right, by Linda right. Woolard. Fantastic organization. It's no, she yeah. stepped down, but she led it with, you know, now she's worked with the John Bell uh, Yeah, campaign. I saw her at the gala. Yeah, and she's great. Um, but I was like, wow, they, they've really organized mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And I had no concept that this was, like, actually something brand new. Mm-hmm. So kudos. Yeah, you know? um, and it's just, it's you know, it's run by the members. It's not... You know, yeah. that kind of organized things, and that's what I'm saying. I'm usually the doer. I know how it is. <laughs> Not the candidate. <laughs> I know it is. But um, um, okay, so I have two questions. Okay. Two two last questions. All right. Um, this guy that you saw speak at the event, the kid I interviewed yesterday, mm-hmm. he's that's all he's going through around the state, um, to college campuses. He's going to ULL for the first time. It's going to try what? to organize a college, better organize their college Democrats uh-huh. there, um, which would probably be something that you guys should talk about amongst yourselves. Right, no, I'd love to. Um, but he asked me, well, uh, really, you know, I, I already know what cities I'm going to go to, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I need to know where to eat. Oh, that's a, that's a very important. <laughs> and Okay, and rumor, we're talking about a 20-year-old. Yeah. So you can't just, be, I mean, I'm like, oh, just go to... Central Pizza. Central Pizza. Central Pizza is, um, it's a great vibe. Where, where is Central it's Pizza? It's downtown. Um, there's also another place called Spoonville downtown that I really like. It's got a nice um, yeah, cause like outside Because I've been to the French press and that's like too, Trichere, too expensive. Well, right? and it closes at two. 
Oh, yeah, it's only for lunch. It's only for and lunch. the other pizza place I didn't like because, well. Central? Or? No, Bisbano's. Oh. Did it yeah. close finally? I, that's been around forever. I don't know. I don't know, but I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just going to play real quick. Terrible handicap access. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, they got sued over it. Okay. Oh, yeah, this is just, just yeah. Mm. Fix well, it. Fix I it. I would have fine. that on my list. <laughs> yes. If I was the representative. Um, and then um, the other question I have, which, I, which I'm asking everybody. Okay. All right. So I'm not singling you out. <laughs> and look, this true is true. Don't feel like you have to pander to your district okay. in answering That's this okay. question. Because people have done that, and I'm okay. like, oh, that doesn't sound real. Okay, outside of your house in River Ranch with your kids mm-hmm. and your partner, yeah, um, you know, curled up in front of the TV and hanging out. What, where, or what's your favorite place? To, where, where's your favorite place to be in Louisiana? Or oh God, your, I'm gonna sound so cliche, but um, it's New my Orleans. house. It's New Orleans. New Orleans. Um, and okay, be can you be? I can Orleans? be more specific. Yes. So when we lived in New York, Dylan got a um job uh, with NCIS NOLA and he came out a couple weeks before the kids and I but CBS put us up at the Windsor Court uh, and we stayed for a month I think at the Windsor Court at the Windsor Court uh, and so basically we were kind of pretending like we lived here um, and, and it was it, it just never got old like I didn't really know Magazine Street um, now Dylan and I are creatures of habit so every time where do you stay come, yeah. um well, I didn't know Magazine, so we love this restaurant called Lillette. Oh, yeah. Um, so every time we go, we have to go eat at Lillette. Oh, I got a new one for you. I don't know. Yeah, After we're done, I'll tell you. Yeah. But we decided to stay the last time um, at the Pontchartrain yeah. Hotel. Yeah. We're ten- which, yes. again, we never really would. We rode the streetcar. The rooftop, rooftop bar. Rooftop bar That's where Tennessee Williams wrote, wrote A Streetcar Named Desire. Is it? I believe so. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's, it it's a one-of-a-kind city. Um, I love it. You know, it's funny about a Pontchartrain Hotel. I went there once, and someone said, oh, that's great. This great bar you've got to mm-hmm. go. Right. But they have a downstairs bar, right, which mm-hmm. is crappy. Yeah. So I get in there, and I'm like, this looks like like a hole in the wall. It's very small. Yeah. And I had no not... idea until like, you know, 45 minutes later. The only thing I will say at... Whatever time we went to sleep, um, yeah, you could hear the music, <laughs> yeah, and the streetcars, yeah. Um, it's a love. It's a love. I would I would not stay on the St. Charles side, but it's it look, it's it's New, really cute. It's New Orleans is a great place to live, and I kind of have an opinion wherever you go, there you are. Exactly. A lot of people are scared of this place because of crime right, rate, right. but um, every city's got things. I well, I'll tell you something. You know, I dropped um, my kids when we were here. They had our phones, and they fell asleep in the stroller, and we were walking back to the Windsor Court, and my daughter dropped it, my phone, and so I raced back with my iPad, you know, yeah, you find your find phone, it, yeah. and I'm running through the streets of New Orleans, and um, and somebody picked it up, brought it to the hotel right next door, and I got my phone back in New Orleans. Ah. You know, random, random acts of kindness. <laughs> exactly. Not everyone is like uh, one of those like uh, hucksters that says, I bet I know where you got your shoes. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks so much to Leslie for driving down to New Orleans um, and recording this really interesting podcast. Thanks also for indulging me, Leslie, uh, for, you know, my rants about Alexandria. Uh, it just so happens there's, like, all these connections between um, my hometown and your hometown. 
Um, not only just the fact that they're only about an hour away from one another, but also the fact that just in the last year, um, two Alexandria natives had moved to Lafayette and ran for Congress against Clay Higgins. And now one of them, Josh Guillory, uh, what's up, Josh? Um, you, should, you got some of Spain to do. Maybe you can get, get you on the podcast one day. Um, is running for mayor president. Uh, thankfully, Clay Higgins does, uh, does not uh, have any connections. Although, he, for a while, I don't even think he lived in the district. Leslie does live in her district. Uh, she is going to be on the ballot. That's District 43. Um, in 1983, Kathleen Babineau Blanco was the first woman elected to represent Lafayette in the state legislature. Now, since then, other women have, have served Lafayette, have represented Lafayette in the state house. And um, I think that, uh, you know, right now, uh, we are woefully, women are woefully um, underrepresented in our state. We're one of the worst when it comes to representation uh, of women. Uh, something like 15%, uh, maybe, maybe depending on, I guess depending on who you're asking, right? Uh, when, you're, when you're asking, rather. Um, between 15 and 21%. Um, so we really need to do a better job in... And electing more women, um, they're 56 percent of uh, Louisiana voters are women, and yet they again are woefully underrepresented in the legislature. We would be a much better, brighter, more inclusive, more innovative state if we elected more women to represent us. So, good luck to Leslie. Thank you for your time, and thanks for listening. Um, I am going to be back soon with an interview um, with another guy, uh, well, another guy, another candidate, uh, for the Louisiana State House of Representatives from another completely different corner of the state of Louisiana, um, Dr. Brian Salvatore. He is running against the one and only Alan Sebaugh. Um, oh, I may be the most loathed man in the legislature. It's up for debate. Um, it's a tough race, but uh, Dr. Salvatore Brian, man, he is a fascinating guy. Just really a kind of, not kind of a, ge- a genius, I should say. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy that interview just like this one. So until then, stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Bayou Briefs, uh, Briefly Speaking. This is Lamar White signing out. Thank you.